0: This week on On The Path, we are speaking about our mental health. Coming up next, I'm speaking with mental health expert and counselor and TEDx speaker, Dr. Estrelita Bruce, and she's going to be giving us the four things that we need to do right now to improve our mental health. We're also going to be speaking about the anxiety of overdoing and the productivity that we can actually find in rest. So, so good. We're also going to be speaking about the damage of performance-based thinking and also how to know our capacity and limitations and to stay within healthy bounds. Guys, we're going to get healthy. Can we do that? Coming up, available on all podcast platforms or subscribe to my YouTube channel, and I will see you on the path. You're listening to On The Path Podcast with Cheryl Nemhardt, brought to you by Fight For Freedom. Follow Cheryl Nemhard on all social media platforms. Hey everyone, welcome once again to On The Path. I'm so excited to have you here. Listen, uh, we need to talk about mental health. Let me tell you why. Because 2020, it's ugly stepsisters, 2021 and 2022 have literally wreaked havoc on our emotions, our state of being, our peace. And we need to get some tools on how to cope, on how to stay positive, on how to move forward and not be stuck. And I'm so excited to have a friend in the building who is going to help us navigate through the fog. I want to introduce you to Dr. Estrellita. Bruce, otherwise known lovingly by her friends and family as Dr. E. She is a life coach, counselor, author, TEDx, and international speaker. She's received a doctorate of philosophy in Christian counseling and also a master's degree of science in professional counseling as well. She is passionate about helping others transform their trauma and their losses into opportunities for growth and healing. That's what we need right here. Would you welcome, please, Dr. Esther Lita Bruce to On The Path. Hi.
1: Hi, Hi how, how are you, are you Cheryl? Oh, I'm doing so, well. How about you?
0: So, so good. I'm so happy to have you. And I'm really excited about uh, diving in because I don't think this, I don't think there's ever been a more important time to talk about mental health.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you'll I agree. can agree with yeah. you more. And you know, when I I think what a good place to start is uh, really to get a little uh, background on you, get to know you more. And I always say, behind every big life is a big story. And I'd love to know mm-hmm. what are some of the big moments in your life that have shaped you, that even maybe uh, pulled you into this field of work. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yes, yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for allowing me to be a guest on here. I'm truly excited and very honored and. In- such a time as this. And yes, we all have a story, right? How did I end up becoming a mental health professional uh, slash not just in career, but also in ministry? Uh, well, quite a bit has brought me to this journey. And, and one thing I can say is that um, I've been undergirded with, with my faith in God. And we know that through life's experiences, a lot of times and that foundation, um, and my faith in God and the guidance through Him, it is it has truly led me to to where I am. But I always really um, I, I say that uh, I went to a junior college at first before I went to a university and, and continued uh, through my education. But I remember at my junior college because um, I, I played basketball there
0: and oh, nice. uh, got
1: recruited to play. Mm-hmm, got got recruited to play basketball, and so. I remember in my psychology, uh, it was like intro to psychology course, and the teacher was very mild-mannered, and she was just talking about psychology and personality, and it was just such a calmness to her voice and just listening to a lot of the things that she was talking about in terms of personality and the science behind it. And I knew right then and there that, wow, I I was very intrigued by Mm -hmm. mental health and just learning about how people think, the behaviors. And from that point on, I was like, that's, that's what I'm going to study. It's going to be psychology. Not really realizing and reflecting that a, a huge part of my childhood was impacted by mental health. Um, I had a dad who was diagnosed with mental illness and experienced some traumas in my life. And so even through that experience and going through college and continuing on into a university Um, I personally experienced some tragedy in my life that led me to think about my entire life, right? My, My future and where God was carving the path for me. And so I knew then that what I was going to school for, it just wouldn't be textbook. I knew that in that moment that God was allowing me to to experience not just him and the overcoming through my losses and through my traumas, but also integrating the educational component. So when I'm talking with with my clients or when I'm talking with a with an audience, I will be able to not just share from a, a an expertise perspective, but also from experience, which allows me to really capture their hearts and and really walk them through that with understanding and compassion. So that mm. is what led me to the space of, of mental health.
0: Mm. Oh, I love that. And, you know, I think, I think we need to talk about what's what's currently happening, like the landscape and mm-hmm. the climate of, of the day. Um, there's a lot of mental health that's being affected by uh, this lengthy, ongoing, you know, just draining, um, pandemic that's affecting us on so many sides, so much loss, so much grief, um, people Mm -hmm. being shut in and different things. Can, can we start here? What, what are some of the damages? Like what are, what have you seen as the effects on our mental health currently Mm -hmm. with all that's going on?
1: Well, really it's the uncertainty Right. Um, Especially when the pandemic first first happened, we all experienced a a, a global trauma. Right. It was it didn't matter what background you came from. It didn't matter your religion or even your culture. We were all impacted by the same uh, the same virus, the same disease. And so from the jump, it was the uncertainty of what is this and how long is it supposed to last? And so the in the course of, of this happening in the past few years, what has happened is that there's been an increase of anxiety and depression. There's also been an increase of, of loneliness because if you're talking about quarantining, right, um, we can't connect the way that we used to. You talk about grief and loss. That's the moment where you're supposed to get together with family and support. You're supposed to touch one another. You're supposed to hug one another, hold each other's hand. Well, we had to really be careful about touch, the very human, uh, natural response that we all need to feel connected. So when that's stopped or when there has to be some limitation to it, and it impacts us mentally and emotionally. Um, that the sadness increases. And, um, and so, yeah, it just brought a lot of uncertainty and anxiety and depression um, that, you know, a lot of people really didn't know how to manage.
0: Mm. And yeah. and for for those that have been have been struggling with depression, mm-hmm. um, and maybe they're sitting here and they're they're listening to this conversation, they've landed here. What would be some key sort of signs or markers that might let us know, mm-hmm. hey, we need to we need to check in. We're not we're not okay. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Uh, You mentioned checking in. That's the thing with depression. A lot of times we want to isolate ourselves. And if we're already quarantining, it's a it's kind of a forced, so to speak. Um, You have to isolate yourself where depression is more um, because of how you're feeling. I I feel like I, I need to isolate myself. And even though we may not be able to connect from a physical standpoint, that we can still connect through virtually, just having that conversation, just, just talking with someone and saying, Hey, I'm not okay. Just letting them know that I'm, that I'm not okay. If you're starting to lose interest in the things that you once loved, even if it's going outside or taking a walk and you find yourself escaping and retracting within, I'm not, I don't feel like doing those things. If your appetite is changing, if the uh, your your sleep patterns are changing, those are some major indications that, Hey, I'm I'm not okay. I'm not in a place where, um, this, this feels okay or that I feel normal, so to speak. So I need to reach out to, to my support.
0: Oh, that's so good. I, and you know, that's yeah. such a beautiful checklist for us to go through and notice if there's mm-hmm. any changes that that might be an indication that we might need to speak to someone, reach out, like you said. Um, and, yes. and well, let's just stay here for a second if if I'm feeling uh, really kind of down and and uh, like overwhelmed by the pressures, the loneliness, uh, the sadness, the grief, are there any um, immediate things that that we could do to lift our spirits? Any, any advice for someone who feels like they're kind of going through the beginnings of depression?
1: Absolutely. Well, the first thing that I would say is to get out, meaning just taking a walk, get some vitamin D, um, get some sun. There's a natural, um, what I call a free antidepressant, so to speak. This is not to say that you're, you're not supposed to take your medication, but yes, of course. Um, yeah. yeah. E- ex- exercising. But it's is, all around us. Weight. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. It's yeah, absolutely. And so if we're, if you go out and you take that walk, you begin to, you know, get those endorphins release. It actually helps boost your mood. So if you find yourself wanting to stay like in a dark space all day, you know, open up your curtains, let the light in. These are just some very small things that could adjust our mood just a little bit so that we could do the next thing. Okay. Now that I've opened up my windows and I've let the light in, let me go outside. Let me go take a walk and that Mm -hmm. will create the energy that you need to do the next thing. So all it takes is the small things that we need to put in place.
0: That's so, so yeah. good. Thank you for that. And, yeah, you know, fr- from from the time I've met you uh, so long ago when you, you had come to speak and host a conference in Toronto, Canada, and um, I just love everything about you. I track with your social media. You've always been so consistent in encouraging all of us to step into our best selves, become the best version of ourselves. And I thought I'd love to help people right now. Like as we dig into this conversation on mental health, what are some of the obstacles that come in our way that block us from being our best selves? Oh yeah.
1: That's a huge one. And I think with the pandemic, it adds to this, right? It, It can add to this. But some of the things that can block us from really becoming our, our best selves, um, really right off the bat, if we're holding grudges against someone, right? Unforgiveness mm. can really stop us from being our best selves because it it doesn't allow us the space for for growth or even um, opportunities for new relationships because we're we're holding on to something or an offense that that someone hurt me, right? Um, So definitely unforgiveness uh, from a counseling perspective as well. Another um, way that can really be a barrier for us to experience our best selves is, is if we're holding on to unresolved trauma. That's really a huge one. And the thing about it is that it's something that you have to be ready for, it's something that you have to be ready to process. And the thing about this pandemic, I will say, is that we didn't have any distractions. People had to sit in their stuff. And quite honestly, that is where myself and other mental mental health professionals, we, I mean, our, our, our practices, our um, experience in counseling really skyrocketed because people are like, I don't know what to do with this. So though it was a very difficult space or it has been a difficult space, it's created an opportunity for people to say I can no longer allow these distractions of moving around, of traveling and going here and going there, or even relationships to stop me uh, any longer. Like I have to be able to move past these things so that I can become and be my best self and really discover what that actually looks like. And so that's, that's really been the beautiful thing I would say about this pandemic is that people are actually seeing that, hey, I do need the help. They're getting the help and that is creating and carving the path for them to be open to what does best self look like right now.
0: So good. Beautiful and brilliant, guys. Listen, <laughs> my friend is the full package. <laughs> I'm so excited to be in this conversation. Oh, thank um, you, love. Yeah. Oh man, I'm so happy. Um, I just feel like this this conversation is gonna help so many people. Um, let's mm-hmm. let's keep doing the work. What what are some other Uh, coping techniques. Can you give us some tips Mm -hmm. uh, to help us keep our mental health strong and up right now?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So here are four kind of key things that I always like to share when you're talking about maybe processing emotions or really just stopping to, to, to see like, let me just assess like where I am right now. So the first thing would be to think, right. It sounds Pretty easy. But if you think about it, um, if we're trying to avoid pain, we will not think about it. So here's that the D word, distraction, we'll distract ourselves. But if you stop and think about what we call in psychology metacognition, to think about thinking, if you're thinking about your thoughts, it will allow you to say, okay, why am I having these thoughts? Where are these thoughts coming from? Then once you identify that, then you can say, okay, now what do I want to do with these thoughts? So one is to think about it, right? Another one is to write. Uh, journaling is so therapeutic. It's very cathartic. It's a, it's a place where you could just be free uh, in expressing how you feel. And I don't just mean taking out your, your phone and your notes, even though that's good, but really pen to paper. Uh, there's research that shows that pen to paper, it allows our brain to really organize our thoughts that we're having. It's given us the space to express our emotions very freely. You know, it's our journal. No one has to read it. So these are some ways in which, you know, the, the tools that we need to, to continue to process. So you have think, you have write. Really? Here's another one. Weep. Cry. A lot of people may think or may interpret crying as a form of weakness, Right but mm. we have these emotions for a reason and we need that outlet to be able to express. A lot of times life can be overwhelming. We're in a space of overwhelm. A lot is changing around us. So we need to give ourselves permission to feel. So a lot of times in that feeling, we're going to weep. We're going to cry. And then the other part, um, let's see, think, right. Um, what was that? Think, right. Uh, oh yeah. Last one. Talk, talk, mm. right? talking, whether that's therapy, whether that's support from people that you trust, it is important to have that space where you connect with people um, that you really do trust. And, and I'm not just saying family and friends, are these individuals, can you trust them with the things that you're wanting to share? Can you bear your heart? Can you bear your soul to them? And of course, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. So if there's anything that exceeds that maybe your friends or your families can't help you with, it's okay to reach out for therapy. So think, write, weep, talk. Those are the four areas. I
0: love that. Think, write, weep, talk. Beautiful. So, so, so good. And I pray that you guys got those. I'll say it again. Think, write, weep, talk. Permission to do all of those things in order to help us uh, really begin to do the work of of, of becoming lighter, reconnecting maybe we've isolated ourselves as you said and so those yeah. are beautiful beautiful tools listen you are just you're so good with words i i uh I, the spoken and the written and i have a quote uh from uh, one of your posts that you had done quite some time back but i'm going to read it back to you and then i thought we would kind of talk about it cuz it just really it just struck me here's a quote uh, there is freedom to rest take it in a world of hustle, I love that. In a world of hustle, remember, rest is just as important. Release yourself from the anxiety of overdoing and make space for rest. Well, okay, confession. Mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, mm-hmm. I'm I'm on the therapy couch now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> confession. I'm an overdoer. And so that, when mm-hmm. I saw that in, in the quotes, the anxiety of overdoing, I thought, oh, I've got it. And then as soon as I get you on this show, please, please talk mm-hmm. about the anxiety of overdoing. How do we, how do we overcome it? How do we recognize it? How, do, how did we mm-hmm. find ourselves there? Anything
1: that helps us with that? Oh, that's so loaded. I'm trying to remember when yeah, I wrote take that, but time. that actually, yeah. <laughs> that speaks to me today. Um, the reason why I wrote that is because it, it really came from a personal place. So I, I, share, I share that with you, Cheryl. You know, um, overdoing, overachieving, it's just I can do that well. You can, we can hustle well, but can we rest well? There is rest and there is productivity in rest.
0: Productivity
1: mm. and rest. If you think about our computers that have to shut down, shutting down, and it's a machine, even it has to shut down sometimes to make those updates. If we don't give ourselves time to shut down, it never gives our brain the opportunity to to update and to really rest and just, just turn off. I mean, we, we, we just absolutely need that. But the anxieties of overdoing a lot of times come from a space of either lack. It can come from a space of, um, just a a survival response, so to speak. Right. And if you feel that I have to take care of everything, or I'm in the position or I've been coined to be in this position to do and do and do you condition yourself to think that I have to do. So if I have to do, there is no room for rest. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times it can come out of the need to perform. Um, This is a really heavy one, but a lot of times that kind of performance base comes from the need to be accepted, right? Um, I'm going to perform in order to get the accolades. I need to perform in order for me to receive some recognition because maybe you've experienced some form of rejection in your life. Maybe you didn't get, the attention or the nourishment that you need, needed from a family member or even a parent. So you felt like the only way that you would get attention is through performance. And so that's what creates anxiety. I I have to perform, I have to do it well. And you bring that kind of present day. So then where's, if you have to perform, where is you have no room for rest? And so that's where a lot of that can really come from is our need to survive, our need for love and attention, our need for that recognition, but you will soon experience burnout. So that is why rest is so, so paramount in our lives. It is productivity. Oh my goodness.
0: (laughs) I literally, I don't know if anyone saw, I'm sure they did it because we probably cut nicely to you, but I was quickly writing notes for myself. The anxiety of overdoing the productivity Mm -hmm. found in rest, the damage of this performance based mentality that we have going on. So, 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 so good. Well, I want to, you said that I can talk to you. You're an open book. So I got a personal Question sure. for you, yeah. Um, so, 2021 and 2022 have been so mm-hmm. devastating for all of us. You know, from the pandemic, as you said, grieving, loss, mm-hmm. um, people losing their livelihoods, their businesses, out of work. It's just, it's just been tough. And then add in with that. Just the political tensions, racial tensions, just everything. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's this um, this sort of like horrible mix, just this brewing thing that feels like it's going to explode at any moment. I want to know, how has this affected you? How have the past, say, two years-ish affected you? And what are the big lessons that you've learned during that time that you could share with us that, that could help us on the way?
1: Wow. That is a, that's a huge question. Yeah. You're all in my mix right now. <laughs> well, it, you know, it. Um, it certainly, it, it it impacted me in such a way where um, one at parenting my daughter, uh, we have an eight year old. Uh, she was seven at the time. She's now eight, but still we had a small one here at, at the house and I'm used to her going to school and having to take on new clients and then having to adjust her being at home, it was a huge, huge stressor. Um, And so I can't imagine with, with parents um, or you have more than one child, but that was really, really, it it took a huge toll on me emotionally because with this adjustment, I had to um, learn how to be, there not just for myself but be there for my daughter. I had to adjust being at home with my husband where he would had to go to the office. We had to be in each other's quarters all the time. So learning to um, not just spend that family time, but also learning that it's okay for, for us. Let's go to our own space. We need a break from one another. Um, learning that type of balance within, within the pandemic has been really, really huge. And also just taking on not just what was going on in my home, but the, 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 the workload or the caseload that I was also having to, to take on as well. So there was a lot to quite a bit to balance. And one of the greatest lessons that um, I, I learned was that it's okay that I can't do everything. Like this, so this pandemic taught me my capacity, and because of that, it taught me my limitations. It taught me my capacity. It was one of the main things that I shared was know your capacity. You don't have to be the be all and know all for everything. Um, because if you do, you're not going to have anything left for yourself. And that would be like the, that. That's really the greatest lesson that I learned. And when I knew and found out what my capacity was, it helped me to accept the the role that um, I could really, uh, I want to say play, but provide even for my for my family life as a parent. I'm not a teacher. Right? right. I thought I was a great teacher. I'm not a teacher to a child. So I'm OK with that. With my marriage or, you know, with my husband, there are certain things that I just know that I'm incapable of doing and. We both had to learn and and adjust that together. And so when you really find out what those limitations are, Mm -hmm. it's okay. And being Mm -hmm. okay with it, that is really a huge thing. So that would be my greatest lesson. That's how that impacted me. And um, I can truly say because of that, it's made me a lot better, a lot stronger and more balanced.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing all of that. Listen, I, I don't want to even leave this conversation, but we're, we, we got to wind down. So I, I've got another one for you. It's another dig, dig deep question. Okay. Um, one, of my, one of my sort of mantras in life, if you will, something I'm always teaching, preaching, is that um, who we are is not developed in the mountaintops. Who we are is developed in the valley, in the storm, in the rough. That's, that's the stuff that makes us and shapes us. And also our biggest lessons come from storms. I always say that storms are our greatest teachers. They teach mm-hmm. us who we are. They teach us uh, who God is. Uh, you don't know God's a healer until you're on that sickbed. You don't mm-hmm. know he's a provider until you're, you need him to move. And, so, and then it also teaches us about others too, especially who's for you and who's not for you. I oh, always say absolutely. if you want to you know who's in your camp, go through an absolute crisis and then watch. Right, <laughs> watch watch who good. gravitates to watch who who runs away. So, what have the storms of the past few years, even ones that maybe you didn't even communicate, but what what have they taught you about yourself, about God, and about others?
1: That's good. What is it? Ha- what has it taught me? Um, again, I reiterate. Um, it's it's definitely taught me my limitations. And and this doesn't mean that I'm not incapable, but it just means that the things that I had expectations for, that maybe they were unrealistic, right? So I need to adjust those expectations and, and see that really God is the one who gives me everything that I need to be capable in all that I do. Um, And that means that I have to rely on him. That's for myself. Um, If you read my uh, bio, I mean, I've had a lot of education, so I can really depend on my education if I wanted to. But last year really taught me I could do nothing without God. I don't care how much I have. And so That was a huge, huge moment for me. Um, And then when you talk about the storms, um, as I say, opportunity, I always like to define that word. It means a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. But it doesn't say in that definition that those circumstances have to be favorable. So like you, I've seen storms as an opportunity for me to improve in the areas of my personal growth, my spiritual growth with God. That was one of the things Mm. when it comes to my relationships, um, how can not just looking at it, what they can do for me, but what can I do for them, even if they are in a bad space We all have to extend each other some grace Mm -hmm. in this time. I always say leave space for grace Mm -hmm. Uh, because you never know what a person is going through. And so just really extending that grace to them, even with things that you don't quite understand, even if you can't have conversations at the time, but really just stepping back and praying and say, Lord, provide the opportunity. Should we have this conversation? You know, I want to build from here. You know, that's one thing that it's taught me about um improving those relationships whether they're close or afar. And I think the third thing you asked me was was it about my relationship with God?
0: Yeah, yourself about yeah, have, who who how did you who did you find God to be during those tough times?
1: Oh, faithful.
0: Mm.
1: Definitely so faithful, um so so faithful and where this is not to be insensitive to what was happening around me because a lot was going on. Um, it was impacting me in such a way that my heart broke so many times over. And the things that I see, um, a lot of times I don't mention on social media because I have to be okay for my family and I have to be okay for my clients. But I saw God being faithful in my lives to where even with all that going on, that he still provided opportunities for me to extend myself um, in a way that allows me to be there for the people that he's placed in my life. So it doesn't mean that you can't solve all of these world's problems, right? All of these issues, political, racial, the pandemic, but it's really thinking about what is it that I can do to contribute? And allowing that to be good enough. And so seeing him faithful and 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 increasing those opportunities for my life, I think that has just been such a blessing to be Mm -hmm. able to do that and to be in that space.
0: So good. Oh Dr. Shalita, I'm so thankful that you (laughs) stopped by and you walked with us a little bit on the path. Um, I know that you you're so gifted at what you do. And and now one of the blessings with everything that's gone on is that you do a lot of virtual counseling as well. Mm-hmm. So I'd love just before I ask you a surprise question, which I have for you in a okay. moment. Um, how can we track with you? How can we find you if we want to book a session online and just get mm-hmm. some help, uh, get some tools? Can you tell us all the things of how we can find you?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know that you're in Canada. So uh, from a professional perspective and counseling uh, perspective, I'm only seeing clients in the, the Texas, uh, in the state of Texas. But you can certainly find me at um, a new me, DRE, which is a new me, Dr. E. You can find me on Instagram, on Twitter, um I'm also seeing clients even out of state and in different countries if you wanted to book a life coaching session with me. It's nice. a little bit different.
0: Nice. And you can
1: find me um, on excuse me on my website at anewmedre.com. so anumiedre.com.
0: Anumiedre.com, great for life coaching yes. anywhere. And uh, yes. and and I'm so glad anywhere. And Instagram again
1: is E. So dre. Perfect. It looks like Dre. (laughs) Right. Perfect. Well, here's your
0: surprise question. I'm so thankful we had this time. So in light of our conversation around mental health, all of the tools, all of the signs to look for if we are struggling, I just want you to finish this sentence. It's time for what? It's time for what?
1: Freedom. Hmm.
0: Oh, hit me. Why don't you? (laughs) It's time for freedom. (laughs) I love it. Let me reverse it on you. What is it not time for?
1: It's not time for pride. Ooh, unpack that. It is not time to remain in this space that you feel is working for you, but you know that it's not. So you know you need to change it, but you don't want to.
0: And she drops the mic <laughs> <laughs> That was the soundbite right there. We think things are working for us, but in reality they are not. Oh, would you please come back again and speak with us uh, oh a little gosh. bit later? I just want to have you're just going to be our resident expert. You are just so brilliant. Thank you so much. Well, I'm so thankful for this conversation that I had with Dr. Estrelita Bruce. It was much needed, not just for you, but for me. So many times we are, as she said, thinking that what we are doing and the tools we're using are working for us when in fact they're not. Can I encourage you uh, just to check in, check in with yourself, use the tools that Dr. Estralita spoke about, uh, find yourself journaling, speaking, talking to someone going outdoors, taking a break, rest, um, having moments where you allow yourself to just feel whatever's coming up and not bottle it inside. And please, 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 if you feel like you need to speak to someone, please reach out out. There's always someone there. You are never, ever alone. And more importantly, God loves you and is with you and will never leave you nor forsake you. You are never alone, friend. Until then, I will see you. Keep living, keep loving, keep working on your mental health. I'll see you on the path. Thank you for listening to On The Path Podcast with Cheryl Nemhard. Brought to you by Fight for Freedom, educating, empowering, and equipping community members by raising awareness and training others surrounding the issues of sex trafficking. For more information or to donate, go to fightforfreedom.ca.
1: Please like, download, and subscribe. This has been an Exusia Media production.